This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. And look who's back with us for another edition of In the Huddle. Playoff version, guys. It's the divisional round. Carl Dukes put him up. Brian Baldinger. And, of course, our man Nick Costos. You better you bet. Let's talk about this weekend, Nick. Because I'm looking at the lines, you always talk about making these lines and how you look at these lines, and I'm going, okay, the Giants. I know the Eagles are the dominant team, and I'm looking at all the info, and I'm going, why do I like the Giants to possibly cover this weekend? Am I out of my mind? Well, I'll say this, and like I, I, I would guess that you guys both probably agree with this at this point. So I'm a Giants fan, and I'm watching the game this past weekend, and it dawns on me like pretty early in the game, like this team is is actually good. Like the Giants, you mean are like good. from the opening drive, Nick. From the first first drive of the game. Well, we went well, right down the field against Right the down the field. The but, but it kind of like strikes me like, okay, I know the names are not exactly of the household variety. Hodgins, Richie James, and Slayton's been around for a little bit, right? The wide receivers are good. Like these receivers are all good. Now Slayton obviously has issues with drops. Hodgins is good, was obviously on the Buffalo practice squad and poached them. But Buffalo probably wishes they still had him, right? Like Richie James is a good slot receiver. Slayton's a good deep threat. The line is good. Saquon's good. Daniel Jones is good. The defense is good. The coaches are good. The Giants are good. So that was the first thing that struck me was I think we kind of need to, and I'm not saying you guys necessarily, but just like the media as a whole needs to dispense with the narrative that Brian Dable is basically waving a magic wand and making this all happen like the team is actually talented like the team is actually good so point spread wise here and carl i love the way you set that up so i think this is i think this is the way that like people should think about betting on games it's not like oh well i watch the games and the eagles are going to kill them like we can all have our opinions we all love and watch sports but like the point spread matters we're not picking who's going to win the game necessarily who's going to cover the spread so these two teams played a couple weeks a couple months ago at metlife at the giants house right philly closes in that game a seven and a half point favorite at the Giants, Philly bludgeons them in the game, whatever. The result doesn't necessarily matter. So the implication is that Philadelphia on a neutral field is like eight and a half points better than the Giants or nine. And then if the game goes to Philly, where the Eagles have a pronounced home field advantage, we're more than 10. Then you bake in home field advantage a week off. And it's a playoff game and it gets even more significant, the advantage. That's why like having like being the number one seed is such a big deal. It gives you a huge advantage in a game against a team that played the week before. And the spread is exactly the same as it was when they played two months ago at MetLife. So something's up here. It's one of two things. And I'm not going to claim to have the answer. Sports betting is not about fortune telling. It's about probability, right? So I'm not claiming that I have the right answer. I'll give you my opinion. And maybe you guys feel differently. Mm -hmm. It's one of two things. Either one, this is organic interest. And like the giants are just that much better now. 
And the Giants are really just that good, right? Coupled with Philly kind of stumbling down the stretch a little bit, albeit without Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. Or, and this is what I think, I think that this is betters, professional betters, people with influence in the betting market, legitimate pessimism that Jalen Hurts is actually 100% healthy. I understand that he's practicing in full on the injury report, and I'm, they're saying he's good to go. Also, at the end of the week, in, in week 18, he was also off the injury report, and then after the game said he's not fully healthy. So maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it's just like this the third time they're playing, and it's a lot of respect for the Giants. I think this point spreads nuts. Now, just because I won with Dallas on Monday does not mean that Philly has to win and cover on Saturday night, but like Dallas should have been like a four-point favorite at Tampa, and they weren't. They were two and a half. Now, again, the result is immaterial. It's a point spread conversation, right? I think Philly needs to be 10 in the game. They're seven and a half. Something's up here. So I can't really give great betting advice before this game starts because what if it starts and Jalen Hurts is just like, he doesn't look good. He's not healthy. Or if he looks great, they're going to steamroll them. So I would say if people out there, if you like the Giants in this game to cover the spread, just bet the Giants to win the game. Just bet them to win. Well, you know, the, th the thing is, Nick, like Jalen Hurts got hurt in week 15 in Chicago, you know, at the end of the third quarter. So, really, he hasn't been healthy since week 15. And they really haven't played dominant football. They put up 34 against the Cowboys. They were in a game. It was a good game um, without him. But they really haven't played dominant football in five weeks. And so, whether he's healthy or not healthy, when you go a five-week stretch in this business now, and you're not playing your best football the way we're watching the Giants play their best football or Jacksonville play their best football, when you're not playing your best football, and it's obvious you're not, and you're not just putting up points like they did against the Giants when they put up 48 in week 14. When you're not doing that, then then it goes, well, can they just turn it on? Can they just put their gas pedal down and just – maybe you can. I mean, it remains to be seen. But the execution that we were used to seeing when Jalen was the – you know, the unanimous almost MVP, him and Mahomes, you know, you can't really say that right now. And the fact is, is that when he first got hurt, he really thought he separated his shoulder. Like, just the initial injury. Now, it wasn't separated. That's what gave everybody in Philadelphia optimism. But the player thought, oh, this is going to be bad. That's that's the initial injury. Now, I don't know when these things help, you know, are healthy. Um, you know, when week 18, when we played the Giants, Wink Martindale basically said, look, we know he's just going to try to protect himself. And he did. He went down. He threw the ball away. A lot of things we haven't seen him do because it was all about the playoffs. And I understood all that. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what Wink does this week. Because last week he blitzed very little against Minnesota um, after blitzing all the time against the Eagles. So, you know, and they, they got their, they got healthier, Nick. You know, Lawrence, you know, Big Cat Williams and Dexter Lawrence are going to play together up front. You know, you got Xavier, um, you got Xavier back, you know, in the safety position. You've got a Dory Jackson back. You know, like you've got players back right now in chess pieces. You give this coordinator, Wink Martindale, chess pieces, like – that guy's going to make, he's going to make some, he's going to allow these guys to make some plays. I, I got to give props to Wink, too. I know you guys saw this where he basically said, Look, I appreciate the interest in other jobs and these organizations and these owners reaching out to me, but I'm going to focus on the game this weekend. And if we get to a point where we can talk great, and he was talking about his loyalty to, to the Giants organization and the ownership. I just thought it was really cool because, you know, everybody gets caught up, guys, in job opportunities. I got to go interview. We've had this conversation, Baldy, since we're talking about the Giants guys and, and, and this matchup against the Eagles and, and from a point spread and a gambling standpoint with Nick. But I just thought what he said was so prevalent, like, look, they gave me an opportunity. 
We got a chance to go win on Sunday, and I'm not worried about all these other interviews right now. And if we get to it, great. But I just thought the way he laid it out was so real. Well, it, it's a great point, Carl and Nick, because here's the deal: is like I remember talking to Wink. I'm I'm pretty close, and we text all the time. But I remember seeing him this summer, and I said, "What do you got, in Dexter Lawrence?" And he says to me, "Because you know he's 350 pounds, the top you know f- top of the draft in the first round four years ago." He goes. I'm going to tell you this right now, Baldy. If Dexter Lawrence isn't in the Pro Bowl this year, it's my fault. And so to answer your, to, to add to what you're saying is he's invested in his players. Right. The last thing the players want is for him to go to Arizona and interview while they're in a playoff run. Like, they, like he's not going to do that to his players. He won't do it. It's about his players. They believe in him. He believes in them. So let's, let's finish the deal. So I, I just think that's how Wink thinks. Giants are dangerous. I'm with you, Nick. You want to add something else, Nick? I, yeah, just like Kafka kind of said the same. And I love like the Giants coaches basically as a whole. Kafka getting yeah. a lot of interest as well. Um, a lot of people have banged on Dave Gettleman, including me. And he was terrible, I think, in my as a Giants fan, hiring a coaches, coaching staffs, right? But like that Beckham trade got lambasted here locally in New York. Like Dex, that, Giants won that trade with the way that this is shaking out with how good Dexter Lawrence has been. And it's the last thing, Carl. Just um, with the Eagles and Chiefs, a lot of people will want to tease Philadelphia and Kansas City basically to win the game because of the uncertainty with Hurts. But what you guys are talking about, the Giants being competitive, I think that is a bad idea. I would not recommend that from a betting perspective this weekend, teasing Kansas City and Philly. All right, let's move on. The Cowboys... 49ers spread wise it's the closest game of the weekend right we're talking about four points guys everything else Nick is talking about seven and a half nine five and a half Cowboys are only a four-point dog against the 49ers short week for them Nick from a betting perspective we're looking at this and we're going okay all right does that matter this looks like a normal week for the Cowboys if they had played on a Monday night and now they got to go play this weekend I don't think that's a big deal what do you think about this number uh, the point spread is is total. I, I think the point spread is basically fine everywhere, and I think this becomes like bet your opinion stuff. Point spread's totally good. If it ever went, I like Dallas in the game. That's my opinion. That I think Dallas can win the game. I'm not going to be like I have a point. Like I I'm going to bet Dallas because of this. I like Dallas in the game as a football fan and like a football <laughs> observer. I that I like the Cowboys in the game. So that that's my opinion. The point spread is completely right. If it ever went to three. And there were points yesterday where it looked like this might get bet down interest in the Cowboys and San Francisco would be a three-point favorite. I'm just saying, like, I I wouldn't necessarily think this way, but I know from the people I deal with that professional bettors, like really sharp bettors, would bet San Francisco minus three. Now, that is not a message to, like, the listeners that, like, if it ever goes to three that you should do that. Professional bettors lose all the time. Like, again, this is not (laughs) fortune-telling. It's probability, right? So it's not like, oh, San Francisco's three. The pro likes it. I like it, too. You have to like the bet also. Like, anything can happen once the game starts, right? Anything can happen. So point spread-wise, I like Dallas in the game. That's my opinion. What I will tell you guys, my favorite bet in this game is, and Baldy and I talked about this on Wednesday on my show, You Better You Bet. I love the over in this game. I love it. And maybe I'm I'm a square here and it's a square bet. I don't care. Um, Jared Stidham tore this Niners secondary up in week 17. I thought David Blau, like it was the Cardinals C team, moved the ball a little bit on this Niners secondary in the air in week 18. The Seahawks were driving to take the lead with five minutes left in the third quarter. Fumble. Metcalf ripped them up this past weekend. Like, why can't 
I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to win. Why can't Dak move the ball through the air on this defense? Now, the protection's got to hold up here, and Jason Peters didn't practice yesterday, but I think the Cowboys just decide Tyler Smith and McGovern plays guard. I think the Cowboys' offensive line can hold up. I think Dak can move it down the field. The Niners' offense is basically like defense-proof. Purdy's going to get the ball, and he's going to put it in the hands of a guy who's electric after the catch. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something here. I think this might be the highest scoring game of the week. I love the over in this game with the Cowboys and the Niners. What was, what, is the over 46, Nick? Four, yeah, it's, it's, it's 46 just for context. And like the Chiefs Jaguars total should be higher. The Chiefs Jaguars total is a full touchdown higher, 53. Wow. Yeah, I'm with you on the over. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this could, you know, the rain came down in San Francisco. It was a wet field. Traction was a little uh, spotty. Uh, it's not going to be like that. I mean, I think this can be a fast track, and I can see this thing turn into a track meet. I can see these teams going up and down the field. Guys, we're talking with Nick Costos. You better, you bet. Carl Dukes, put him up. My man, Brian Baldinger, will break down some more of the games as we look ahead coming up here. But we want to get the spreads, the numbers, how this looks from Nick's perspective. All right, how are you looking at this Bills-Bengals game? Because it's interesting in so many ways. And then you add on the point spread. So I'm looking at this, and, and Nick, I'll be honest with you. I like the Bengals, okay? You talk about feelings and how I'm looking at this game. If we go back a few weeks ago prior to the DeMar Hamlin, you know, uh, uh, injury, guys, the Bengals moving the ball. They were pretty much doing what they wanted to do. It kind of felt like things were going to go their way. Obviously, we don't know how the game plays out. But I'm liking the Bengals, and I like the number. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people will look at the point spread and like Cincinnati in this instance. Um, since he currently about a five or a five and a half point road underdog at Buffalo. And again, like we all, we all watched Joe Burrow last year, you know, go on the road in Tennessee at the one seed, get sacked nine times, still win the game down 21, three at halftime against the chiefs at Arrowhead, win the game in overtime and maybe win the super bowl. If Aaron Donald doesn't turn into Superman on, on the final play of the game. So it's tough to bet against Joe Burrow in this spot for me, this is Buffalo or nothing in the game. Like I would not bet Cincinnati at anything. If it were six, I would like step in and that is where I think there would be resistance and betters would come in and bet Cincinnati plus six. So I think we hang out in this five, five and a half range. Five is a dead number, meaning that games almost never land five with the mathematics of the NFL. Right. So like five doesn't. Matter. That's a good point. So like we'll, we'll hang in this range close to six without getting, without getting to six. So point spread conversation here, right? Regardless of what happens like before DeMar Hamlin, obviously like collapsed the threat. Thank God he's doing better. The game closed Buffalo minus two and a half in Cincinnati. The implication is that Buffalo is three and a half or four points better on a neutral field. Now Buffalo's hosting the game. Crazy home field advantage, like obviously in Buffalo in a playoff game. That gets you here to close to six. Um, I think my personal opinion, and I actually think I'm right about this, and it may not matter because Burrow's such a singular talent that can keep the game close or win it. I think Buffalo's actually a lot better than Cincinnati. And like the the conversation and like the narrative has kind of been, well, Buffalo, Cincy, and KC are all like the same team with the same rating. I, I disagree with that big time. I think Buffalo is the best of the three teams. I, I can't wait to bet Buffalo against KC if we get there in the AFC championship game. So like, <laughs> listen, maybe Cincy covers the spread. Like I think the point spread's right. My opinion is, is that Buffalo wins the game and probably covers. I think it's really close to call. Um, so I, I wouldn't bet Cincy just because, well, the point spread feels too big. Like the point spread is correct in my estimation. Just a quick note on the total. It's sitting at 48. It was 50 a couple days ago. It's bet down because there is potential inclement weather in the forecast. I want a shock, right? Sunday Sunday afternoon in outdoors Buffalo. in Buffalo in January. Yeah. So snow right now in the forecast in the second half. Wind expected throughout the game. 
Weather is very fickle. We thought there was going to be a monsoon on Saturday in San Francisco. The game starts and like there's no weather and like the field's a little wet, but whatever. Like it's not raining or windy during the game. So just like word of caution, just make sure you know what the weather is going to be before you bet the total. Because if it's really windy, A, it favors Buffalo in the game big time. So like that, that needs to be said for uh, as well. Um, if it's windy, the game's going to go under. If it's not windy, this is going to be a shootout. So you need to wait until Sunday, see what the weather is. Well, going to I mean, go back to Buffalo. Over. Go back to Buffalo, Miami, and Buffalo when they were throwing snowballs on a Saturday night <laughs> a month true. ago, and yeah. both teams went up and down the field. Dewey didn't have any problem throwing the ball to Waddle or to Tyreek. I, I, I. But, but that's still, without wind, though. Wind is what's going to screw wind, this whole you're thing. Right. Wind, wind can definitely affect it more than snow or inclement. Uh, or cold temperatures. Baldy, let me ask you this while we're talking about it, and we'll get more into this. Buffalo's wobbling, though, right? Allen's wobbling, right? I mean, I hear Nick from a betting perspective. Now, I'm just watching this with my football eyes. That wobble concerns me, and that is why the point spread is a little alarming. I'm not telling you Buffalo won't win, but I'm just like, well, okay, Carl, how well, dominant are they going to be? Well, here's the thing, Carl. I mean, they put up 34 points. Um Miami and Miami points. scored 31 with Skylar Thompson. Yeah, and so here's the deal is you think about all the bad football we watched this year, all the bad teams that we saw this year. I don't care if it was Chicago or Houston, just name a team. We saw a lot of bad football and football teams. Buffalo Bills led the league in turnovers, and they continue to turn it over against the Dolphins. Like, I don't think it's going away. I think okay. it's who they are, whether it's fumbling at the goal line against the Minnesota Vikings to lose the game or fumbling against the Miami Dolphins week three and losing the game. Like, it's who they are. It, you have to. And so if you do that and you put the ball on the ground against Cincinnati, you know what Joe Burrow says as soon as he gets a turnover? I'm going to stick it right in your jugular. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not waiting around and handing the ball off to Samaj P. Ryan. I'm going downtown to Jamar right now. Like, I'm going to make you pay. That's He's going to walk into that stadium in Buffalo – with more swag than anybody else out there. Like, you give him the ball on a short field off the turnover, it's go time. And so I I just think that's who Buffalo is at this point. They were good enough last week against a bad offense to overcome it, but I don't think they, they can play anywhere near that style. Yet they still have to be aggressive. That's who Josh Allen is. Like, he still has to run around and do this, make these magic plays, but it leads to a lot of bad plays. And those things get you beat in the postseason. All right, Nick, before we let you go, let's talk about this eight-and-a-half-point spread, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Tell me what you're thinking. Uh, obviously, I think most people are on Kansas City. Being at home, Mahomes is so good at home. They're trying to get, what, to their fifth AFC, fifth straight AFC championship? Obviously, everybody's looking at this. But don't sleep on Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I slept on Jacksonville last week and I got woken up and I had less money than I did when the game started, which was not fun betting on Brandon Staley and the Chargers. So that was absolutely brutal. Um, point spread conversation, point spread's fine. Um, these two teams play back on November 13th at Arrowhead. Kansas City closed a 10-point favorite in the game, one by 10, so the bet it pushed. Um, Kansas City also, like, I think, dominated them in the game. Like the box score will kind of show that, but I don't know that necessarily matters two months later. So, okay. So Kent Jacksonville seven and one since then. So you obviously, the Jaguars deserve to be upgraded. Obviously Kansas city's basically been rated the same all season. That gets you to this range where Kansas city has got to be favored by more than a touchdown. If it were ever Kansas city minus seven, it would get bet immediately. Immediately people would bet that. And if it were ever Jacksonville plus 10, Jacksonville would get bet immediately. 
And that puts us in this range in between seven and a half and nine and a half. So we're right in the middle. It's like eight and a half or nine shaded more towards Kansas City going to 10. If I had to bet the game, I would bet Kansas City, but I don't have to bet the side of the game. I think the point spread's fine. You can tell me Jacksonville's going to cover. You can even tell me Jacksonville's going to win and I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. Um, I'm going to bet the over in this game. And again, maybe this is really square to bet the over here. I think the one thing that I can be very confident in, actually, I like to add this note in for the Buffalo Cincy game as well. Like, I think Buffalo is going to score a lot in the game if the weather is okay. Now, maybe Buffalo's defense allows a lot of points also, but I think Buffalo will score a lot if the wind is okay. I think, and I think Kansas City is going to score a lot in this game also. Like, when Jacksonville's defense has to step up in class, they, they give up a ton of points. Now, Trevor Lawrence starts cooking later in the game, and, like, they score a lot of points also and can win the game. And that's what I think we're going to see here. Kansas City is going to score, and then Jacksonville is going to have to score, and Jacksonville has shown they can do that against better defenses than Kansas City's. So I like the over in the game. I think that would be my preferred play. I think the Chiefs are likely to win. Will they cover? I don't know. Flip a coin. Tough, what's the what's the number? What's the over number? What's the over 50, under? It's high. Um, so it's fifty three. It opened fifty one and a half. So interest in the over already, which I think is appropriate. We talked about that on the show on Monday. Uh, I would I would still bet the over. I I think Kansas City scores into the thirties here. Jacksonville can definitely get into the high twenties, if not the thirties themselves, especially if they're in comeback mode with Trevor Lawrence. So I like the over in the game. I would not bet the point spread of the game. I think it's again. Like, that's the dirty little secret, guys, of betting on these NFL playoff games. Like, you get into the fourth quarter, and, like, Dallas dominated Tampa. That was great. But, like, flip a coin, basically, right? These point spreads are so on target. It's your job as a better is not to win the bet. You can't control what happens when the game starts. Your job is to make the best bet possible before the game starts. That's your job as a better. And then the game starts, and whatever the hell happens is going to happen. You can't control it. So much fun, guys. What a great time of the year for us as football fans to be enjoying the divisional round. We'll talk about the championship round next week. Nick, I know we got a show coming up this weekend. You've got shows coming up. Tell everybody where they can find you and what's coming up. Appreciate it very much. Love coming on with you guys. You better you bet weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Search us, you bet, wherever uh, wherever you find your podcast. We're on YouTube, Twitch, the Odyssey app. Coming Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to noon. Um, and Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. nationally, getting you set to bet and win on the NFL playoffs. And a certain guy, put him up by the name of Paul Dukes, will join us on Sunday at 11.40 a.m. Eastern time to break down all the games and recap what we saw on Saturday. I can't wait. I'm super excited about this weekend, Baldy. Yep. I am. And I know we're going to talk about some more specific things, and I have some questions as well about some yep. of the jobs that are open. But, Nick, great job as always, man. I can't wait until this weekend. I'll talk to you on Sunday, man. Wishing everybody minimal sweats, Nick. winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. Nick, it's your time of the year, man. Enjoy it. All right, go to work. Go, uh, go Giants. Yep. Go, enjoy the game. Baldy, yep. Baldy, I've been working. I haven't had a day off since September. Yeah, <laughs> join the club, man. I, I go back to July, Nick. It's okay. Absolutely. I will really do. <laughs> I was off in July, so I don't have you beat. <laughs> Take care. That's Nick Costos, guys, Later, guys, here on In the Huddle. All right, let's shift gears. <laughs> you make me laugh, Baldy, because right, we're, we're, we're grinding in like June, right? Trying to get yeah. stuff and uh, and then camps and all of that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, man. Um, Let's talk about what we saw with Jacksonville last week. And I just want to talk from an emotional standpoint. 
it's draining, right? To do what they did yeah. and then win. My only concern about Jacksonville this week as they move to Kansas City is, are they spent? It, it, did they give it all last week to come back? And then, you, you know, you're like, this week you're like, holy crap. You know, Brawley, you've, you've been there. No, you're right. You know, look, Carl, it, it, it's a legit concern. And we'll know pretty quick if they're spent. Because one thing I'll say, just going back, I want to rewatch it this morning. Um, the one thing that was really pretty amazing, even when it was 27 nothing, that you could tell that there was no quit. None. Mm-hmm. You could tell how the defense was playing, that they were still trying to get stops. Um, you could tell that Trevor was still competing. You could tell the guys were still running routes really hard. Like, they were still competing hard at 27 nothing. So, you know, the fact that, you know, they got that touchdown right before the end of the first half, you know, and then they scored the first three, you know, they got right back in the game right away. Uh, in the second half, one big play after another, but they were still executed. And there's a lot of teams, especially if it's your first time in the playoffs, Carl, where you're 27 nothing, you're hanging your head, you're walking off the field. Like, that speaks to Doug Peterson, to Trevor, to, to like real leadership on that team. So, to your point, did they leave it all on the field Saturday night? We'll know, but I feel like the fact that they played in week 10 and Kansas City kind of blew them out to score as closer than it really was. Like they, I think they enjoy going to Kansas City, being an underdog, but familiar with the mm. noise, the atmosphere. You know, they started that game with an onside kick. They recovered it. Um, you know, they kind of shot Kansas City early. They got a turnover from Mahomes. Like, I feel like the fact that they've been there, uh, they feel like they know what they're up against, whether it's Chris Jones, Mahomes, Kelsey, the great players that Kansas City has. They've seen them. And I think that for a young team and a team that's now in a divisional championship round, I think it's better for 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 Jacksonville right now. I love the advantage. You tell me what you think, because I think Jacksonville's advantage is, is Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram taking advantage of the Kansas City Chiefs secondary. That's where I think they have an advantage. How do you feel about that? Well, what I, I you know, Legereus need, you know, I mean, I, I like uh, Justin, you know, uh, this, this, the safety. Uh, so, I mean, I, I can speak to the secondary, but what I like about Jacksonville, regardless who they're playing, is every single guy you just mentioned, including Evan Ingram, they all understand their roles. Yep. Christian Kirk has been, when people, when they signed him and gave him all that money, people are like, are you crazy? But they got a defined slot receiver role for him. They're a big three by one team, Carl, you know, three receivers, the tight end or some combination. Um, you know, and Travis Etienne is just a handful. Um, the the area that is really impressive to me, though, I call it the Duval Wall, is the offensive line. You know, Juwan Taylor and Brandon Sheriff, and you know uh, the whole group up for Shatley and and Walker Little at left tackle. Like um, they're really good. They really do a good job of protecting uh, Trevor. And Trevor, who probably could be as mobile as any quarterback in this league, chooses to beat you from the pocket. He does leave. He does escape at times. It's not what he wants to do, and it's not what he's really trying to do. Like, he, he'll he stay in there and deliver the ball. And the guys that you mentioned, they run really good routes. They have really good route combinations. I think they're very difficult to defend. Even when he was throwing interceptions, yeah. the routes were still there. Um, one ball was tipped, and, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Asante made a great play on a ball. Like, there were some things that happened, but I, I really like, the roles that those guys are in right now and how they utilize them. 
Yeah, you were talking about. Were you talking about uh, Justin Reed, the safety? Is that who you were thinking Justin about? Reed, my, my my bad. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I, I just I, I'm thinking out loud because guys, this is part of the game. I'm sure Baldy's going to be looking at next week when he does his Baldy breakdowns, and you're going to be looking at how these guys were either exposed or did a great job because win or lose, Kansas City. You know, this is going to be something that that they're going to have to deal with, guys. Kansas City's defense is not as good. Look at the NFC right now, right? Dallas, better defense. Eagles, better defense. 49ers, better defense. You could arguably say, and I think Baldy Bills, better defense. And I'm just talking about overall with Kansas City. We know they can score. I wonder if they have enough defense to get back to well, the Super Bowl. The one thing I'll say is I'm 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 pretty close with uh, Steve Spagnola. In fact, his his cover three um, diagrams are right on my wall here. <laughs> he, he was a year out of football, and he spent his Mondays up here with me. But you know, Steve's got—he's a two-time Super Bowl champion now, and so he's got pieces. You know, and so his blitz game is on. It's usually with smaller guys, faster guys. Legarius Sneed, Justin Reed. He wants to get a free hitter to the quarterback. He's not going to let—you know—you saw Trevor get into a real rhythm in the second half against the Chargers, and they really couldn't break it up. Like, Steve's not going to let Trevor Lawrence get into a rhythm where the ball's coming out, you know, on timing and, you know, he's hitting his seven-yard, you know, Y sticks and what would – you know, his crossing routes. Like, Steve will not let him get into a rhythm. So, now, whether Trevor can handle or not, like, I I, I believe in Steve Spagnola in big games okay. to be able to come up with, with the necessary schemes to slow a team down. Baldy, does, does Doug Peterson start this game with tempo with the way – Trevor finished the last game with tempo. They went no huddle and they went up tempo and it worked. Well, they had to go no huddle. They had sure. to go up tempo because sure. of the score. I don't believe he will because of this. Like if you're, you know, if you're three and out, you know, going up tempo, you're giving right ball back to Mahomes. Like you just, you can't, you got to keep Mahomes on the sideline as much as you can, Carl. You just can't let him on the field. You got to limit the number of possessions Patrick gets. And then, you know, so you want to keep it at eight or nine possessions. So ball control is still the best way to keep Mahomes on the field. You just hope that you can steal a possession, whether it's a turnover, uh, special teams play, whatever it is. You're trying to steal one or two possessions and try to keep them to nine possessions. If you could do that, you could keep the score down against the Chiefs and, and Mahomes. It's Brian Baldinger, guys. Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Thank you guys for being here. We go all things NFL inside the huddle, off the field as well. The Giants guys are six and three all time, all time versus number one seeds in the playoffs. Um, they're six and zero oh in their last six games versus number one seeds in the playoffs. All right, Baldy. By the way, great breakdown of the play, the the the, the pulling action. I saw it with the Giants. And it just demonstrates, one, the vision of Saquon Barkley, but two, how well that damn offensive line is blocking right now for the New York football Giants. Let's talk about them offensively. They're 6-0 in their last six games versus number one seeds in the playoffs. All that stuff is fun to look at. But why do you give them a chance against the Eagles this weekend? And what is it you're liking right now about what the Giants are doing? Well, they're one of the best eight teams in football right now, Carl. They they deserve to be there. Um, they went to Minnesota, high seed, good record, and they they they, they you know they 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 first of all they took away the best receiver in football. Outside of the first drive, where Justin Jefferson had three catches, 
uh, two for first downs. I mean, he caught four passes the rest of the day. Yep. You know, for you know less than thirty yards. I mean, last drive you figure, okay, two minutes to go. Here comes the Vikings are at midfield. Ball's going to Jefferson. They took him away every time. They had a game plan to double Justin Jefferson. Yet, with guys like Cordell Float and Dane Belton, rookies, like made plays on the ball. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was the best defensive player in wild card, super wild card weekend. The best. And he's uh, he's been challenged, and he's a dominant player. The reason why I give the Giants a chance is because of the way that they're playing, like they belong. They don't they don't fear the Eagles at all. Um, you got to have a game plan for you know for Jalen Hurts because of his dual threat that he is. And I believe they'll have whether it's spies or the way that they rush or the way that they change things up. I think they'll have multiple guys to control Jalen Hurts. You may see three man rushes, you know, against him. And just keep two guys in the middle of the field waiting for him to break the pocket. Uh, I, I think this Wink Martindale against the defense coordinator of the Giants and Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni, the offense coordinator, play callers of the Eagles. I think that's where this game is. Mm. Like that's the chess match right now. The Eagles are a great offense. They've got great players. But like if you just took Justin Jefferson away, why can't you take AJ Brown away? That's right. You know, why, why, why would he beat you deep? Justin Jefferson couldn't beat you deep. Like, I just feel like when Xavier McKinney is on the field and Adoree Jackson is on the field and Julian Love, like these guys that maybe people know, maybe they don't know, these guys are really good football players. Good football. They tackle well. They cover well. They hit. Like, they're chess pieces. You give Wink Martindale chess pieces, he's going to figure out how to to utilize them best. Uh, And then offensively, their offense is just a good offense, Carl. Like, like, I was up there in training camp a bunch, and everybody was always hurt. Nobody practiced. I'm like, how do you evaluate Daniel Jones? In the first half of the season, you know, they they got guys now, and Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, Darius Slayton, Daniel Bellinger, Saquon, they practice every day. So you give those guys practice time with Daniel Jones and the, the same offense. Like, they're a good offense now. It took them three-quarters of the season to, to get it right, but they all got defined roles. They know who they are. And the quarterback – you better have an answer for him right now because if you don't, if you don't account for him, he's, he'll beat you in the run game right now. This, this is going to be a really good game. This is going to get. Into, I don't think anybody's blowing anybody out. I think this is going into the fourth quarter, and Eagle fans are going to be sitting on their hands a little bit um, <laughs> when they realize that this is a legitimate team, even though a team that they beat twice this year. Where is Ward, Thibodeau? Lawrence and uh, and William Ojolari. Ojolari. Where where are they in your pecking order of D lines right now? When you look around the league and, and the teams that are left, Baldy, because I, I'm telling you, I think they took a step. I, I think they've taken that next step. And we talk about these elite defensive lines. We want to throw the 49ers in there, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain teams. The Eagles. This is why this game is going to be so good, guys. The Eagles' defensive line, in my opinion, mirrors what the Giants' defensive line is. And this game could come down to – because are the Eagles more stout in stopping the run than the Giants? No, no. I don't think so either. You got Big Cat Williams. I don't think so either. You got Big Cat and you have, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence inside right there and maybe Justin Ellis. You know, I mean, these guys play a high volume of plays. They don't come off the field. I mean, Dexter Lawrence – like we haven't seen – we haven't seen a 350-pound defensive lineman play this many snaps and affect the passing game the way he does. Like, he's going to line up on on uh, Jason Kelsey, Ooh, you know, one-on-one. And it's Jason Kelsey's, wor- 
it's its worst nightmare, honestly. I mean, Kelsey's an unbelievable player with leverage. But, you know, it's his worst nightmare seeing a 360-pound man on his nose one-on-one. And so, you know, and he's going to get that a bunch. And Leonard Williams is just a really good – he's just a good football player. So, but if you, but when you add in Thibodeau and you add in Ojalar and you add in Ward, like it's a good front. It's a really good front. They 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 blitzed very little last week against Minnesota. Yet they got a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins and affected him at the end of the game, changed his reads a little bit, so he couldn't really take deep shots. Um, the Eagles are the best right now. I mean, 70 sacks are 70 sacks, Carl. Josh Sweat is back. Hassan Reddick is a, is a force. I mean, Brandon Graham. I mean, what? Like, they're they're really good. They're really deep. It's, it's going to be a real test for the Giants right now. All right, Baldy, let's shift gears. We've got two more games to talk about here. Uh, and, guys, again, we'll be breaking down the championship matchups into next week and uh, things get really interesting but this is a fun weekend I think it's one of the best sports weekends of the year wild card weekend is always fun but this gets this gets where you know hey nut cutting time as I like to say Bengals Bills all right we talked a little bit about this you know um earlier and, and, and with Nick I'm looking at this game Baldy and, I, and I'm going all right if you are the Bengals, you're coming off a game in which you were fighting for your life, right? I mean, honestly, Ravens defense, you said it last week. You said, hey, Ravens defense is going to show up. They're going to give them a chance to, to be in the game, and they did. Ravens had a chance. So, you know, survive in advance. You, you win the game, you move on. But I'm thinking to myself, did they get exposed a little bit in that game? And, and I'm talking about on both sides of the ball. Did the Ravens show the Bills something about how to slow down that offense? And then on the other side, did they get exposed when you say, okay, well, what are we going to do against this, this Bengals defense? Not that the Bills are not familiar, but I thought there were some things that, that a little bit surprised me last week and could be used this week as the Bills get ready for the Bengals. Well, I mean, you're right, Carl. I mean, the Bengals didn't score in the final 20 minutes of the game. You know, nope. nothing. They, they couldn't put a drive together. And they didn't turn the ball over, and they still couldn't put a drive together. Uh, you know, and if Sam Hubbard doesn't go 98 yards the other way, maybe we're talking about the Ravens right now, you know, going to Buffalo. So, By the way, um, real quick, do you like the – I heard Sean Payton talking about the – you know, the, the, the you, you put the ball over the goal line, and Sean Payton was talking about Drew Brees, and he said we never called that play if we were outside of or not inside the one-yard marker, right? I mean, you literally have to be inside of one yard, he said – and they talk about it and they run it, but I don't know. People were talking about that particular well, play and putting it so over on that line. play. So I've seen Drew Brees go over the top for quarterback sneaks. I mean, I've seen it. Um, so I'm not saying Sean's wrong, but what he what he is right about is that on that play, it's a play that the Eagles really started this year. It's not new. It's just a bum rush. You're just getting pushed from behind, you know. And Tyler Huntley, you know, he's got backs back there. Andrews and J.K. Dobbins, they're all going to push from behind. The one thing you can't do when you're getting pushed is you you can't go over. Like, you have to stay low. Because you know that what the reason why you stay low is because you know they're coming over the top. So Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson are both coming over the top. And so when you go to stick it like that, Logan Wilson comes to punch it out. Now, you can't anticipate Sam Hubbard being right there and going 98. But on that play, if he stayed low, he gets the quarterback sneak. And they scored. It's 24-17 Ravens. And I don't know that Cincinnati comes back against Baltimore. Baltimore's got elite defensive talent. Roquan, Patrick Queen, you know, the, Justin Houston, Marlon, I mean, Marlon Humphrey. I mean, they got elite players. Buffalo does too, not to the degree 
that Baltimore does. They don't have the interior presence of Calais Campbell. Like, they get knocked around a little bit. Ed Oliver's a good player, plays hard, but, you know, he's not a big guy. Like, they get knocked around a little bit. And so it's a little different type of defense that Buffalo has. They're almost strictly a zone team. They don't let the ball go over their heads. They limit things. But on the outside, you know, Dane Jackson got hurt last week. They're playing Kyir Elam at corner. Tredavious played really well last week at corner. Like, I just think the matchups with Jamar and with T on the outside favor Cincinnati in this game. Yeah. Yeah, they're so good. I mean, that's the thing. All right. Um, and guys, again, we talked a lot about Bills. One, one thing Bills. about that game, also, Carl, you know, they lost Cincinnati lost Jonah Williams at the end of the first half, the left tackle. Yes. They already lost the right tackle. They lost the right guard. They've been replaced. And Jackson Carmen came in to play left tackle. He actually played pretty well. Yeah, he had some he's got he's got a, a couple weaknesses, and you can tell he hasn't played left tackle. Stunts, twists, combo blocks bothered him a little bit. And he's working with the rookie Volson left guard. Like Buffalo has got to make that side really pay. They they got to make these backups pay for being backups. I'm glad you said that because in essence, guys, the Bengals are down three starters. Yeah, heading into this game, and you're talking about protecting Joe Burrow. The only way you get those shots down the field, you got to give him three and a half, four seconds, right? You you can't give him two seconds and expect him to deliver the ball down the field. That is a huge factor in this game going in uh, this weekend on on Sunday. So make sure that you're paying attention to that. All right, Cowboys 49ers, from a nostalgia standpoint, this is kind of cool, right? I mean, This is TV gold. I mean, TV gold. I mean, people – most people don't pay attention to TV ratings. This is going to be the highest-rated playoff game in a long time, Carl. I, I mean, I Cowboys bring the fans. They did last week on Monday night. Over 30 million people watched the game. Like, it's going to be in the 40 million-plus range with this game. And, look, Carl, what, what you just said, like, I came in the league in 1982. That's the year after the catch. Dwight sure. Clark in the back of the end zone from Joe Montana. And this rivalry took off on that day, you know. And so you can, you can go back and replay all the legendary – whether it's you know championship games that these two teams have played, there's just tremendous history between these two teams. And I know none of these players played in those games, but it's still we we got to fill the airtime for a week here, Carl. Like we're talking <laughs> about those games. We're talking about Dion. We're talking about That's Steve right. Young. We're talking about To. And you know, like you can't help it. Like there's a history here, and the Cowboy fans that will be in Levi Stadium, like they're going to let themselves be known. I mean, it's just. It has everything that you want in a playoff matchup. All right. It does, except it doesn't have, I don't think right now, two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we know Dak Prescott still, uh, you know, he gets the big contract, but Brock Purdy, man, how impressive has this guy been? After he calmed down in the first half, I thought he, he put on a show. He put on a show. You know, the, the touchdown passes to McCaffrey and to Eli Mitchell, one was three yards, one was seven yards. Like, none of them, those guys are primary receivers, Carl. I mean, he's looking at Ayuk, he's looking at Debo, he's looking at Kittle. Like, he's got his feet set, he's ready to throw. So he's you're wide. telling me that's his third, third or fourth read? Third or fourth read on both times. And even Kyle Shanahan talked about it this week, but when you go back and you watch it, like, even when he found McCaffrey on the first one, like, it's not an easy read, Carl. It's not. He's got He's got to navigate the pocket. He's got to he's got to duck under some pressure. He's got to like get the whip out and 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 then you know throw the ball accurately. The guy, 
I, I, you know, I, I went back and watched all 200 throws last night, Carl. He's had a total of 200. He's had a total of six passes batted down to line of scrimmage. This is a six foot tall quarterback that you think, okay, he's going to, you know, he's going to lock in on receivers. He's going to do this. Guys are going to bet. He's had six passes blocked, you know, in seven games. Um, you know, he's, he is a mobile quarterback. He extends play. He's got a lot of Patrick Mahomes in him. He's got a lot in him, how he finds the secondary, the third receivers, keeps plays alive. Um, doesn't take sacks. Um, doesn't turn the ball over. Like he's, he is exciting. And, you know, and, and guys drop passes too. I mean, I dropped the ball in the end zone and, uh, he quit on a route because he thought the ball was going to Debo, so he's going to block and, mm. and I mean, just some things. But the guy is uh, – people tell me, you know, coming out of Gilbert, Arizona, this is how he was in high school, all right. This is how he was at Iowa State, all right. I mean, this is the NFL. It's a playoff game. And he bounced yeah. the first pass off the turf, and the second pass he hits Ayuk and Stride on a dig route. Like, I don't know. The, the guy played great. And – uh the offense is just humming right now. It's just humming. From one quarterback to another, Dak Prescott played arguably his best game against exactly. a very good Tampa defense. What I liked about it was, Baldy, it looked like he just let the game come to him. You know, if if I got to roll out and buy some time, okay. Oh, hey, look, I'm going to throw across my body. And, and hit my guy in the end zone. If I got to throw a pass to the back of the end zone and give my guy a chance, I mean, it just – he didn't force it. And I yeah. thought he for – the, for the first time in a while, I saw the game just kind of come to him, and he was great. Well, I think it's a great observation, Carl, and I couldn't agree with you more on letting the game come to him. But what allowed that to happen was Tampa doesn't have good pass rushers, and the protection was really good. So he had time to find Dalton Schultz on a wheel route from the slot. You know – he had time to find Schultz off a rollout where, you know, nobody's really covering Schultz, but he needs time to, to be able to get – like, he had time. And so that's really the question. If you give Dak time, he's going to find – you know, and if they just play zone the way Tampa did, um, gosh, I mean, CD's wide open. I mean, you guys are open. Um, you know, Tampa's good against the run. They weren't – they played a terrible zone. They didn't mix it up. They didn't really, San Francisco's different. Like, you got to have a – you got to have a plan for Nick Bosa. I don't care if it's against Tyron Smith or, you know, Jason Peters or, you know, whoever's out there, Tyler Smith, like on the edges, you better have a plan for Bosa because like Seattle was in the game last week and they were driving in the third quarter and they didn't have a plan for Bosa and he beats the left tackle and it flushes the quarterback. And here comes Charles Amenu balls out, Bosa recovers game over. Yeah. Uh, you know, they went on, they just ran him out of the gym in the fourth quarter. Like you've got to have a plan because he'll ruin, you'll ruin the game if you don't have a plan. So I'm anxious to see how Dallas handles that. They're capable. They certainly have uh, game plans that, that can handle Nick Bosa. Um, so I'm anxious to see how they handle it and what that game plan is. Because if you give Dak time, he's got more than enough targets. He's got more than enough skills to be able to go up and down the field on this defense. It's going to be fun, guys. I cannot wait. Baldy, great job, man. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to breaking down the championship weekend with you. Too, we will Carl. dive yep. deeper into this stuff. And, guys, we'll be here all offseason talking about NFL things and storylines. And we didn't even talk about the Tom Brady stuff because we got plenty of time to get to that, right? We, do. we We'll talk about all that. Right now it's about these guys that are in the playoffs and the team right. that have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. All right, Baldy. Great job, man. Thank Take you, Take care. Yep. Hey, again, Tuesday, Thursdays, guys, new episode. Subscribe. Tell your friends. 
in the huddle wherever you get your podcast. Carl Dukes, everybody have a great day.